Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. When suddenly there came a sound of rushing mighty wind, the Holy Ghost began to be poured out upon all men. This is that. Spoken by the prophet Joe. This is that. Spoken by the prophet Joe. Pastor Bob here, tell it like it is, radio show, you are tuning in, got people texting in, emailing already, good to have Carl and Jeannie listening tonight, good to have the uh, Hostetlers and the Yoders listening in Pennsylvania tonight, Carl and Jeannie in Michigan, and the one that wins the prize for being the farthest away listening so far is Billy Deesom listening in uh, in the Philippines, he uh he said, "Good morning, Pastor Bob." So it's it's a different time zone there. Uh, the um, but it's just good to have all of you listening tonight. Hey, good to have uh, 
David and Enrique. Is that, did I say that right? Enrique? I'm getting better. Hola. How's that? Taco. I mean, I don't know. Enrique. Enrique. I got it. The, uh, but anyway, good to have some of my guys that can listen from the uh, county jail listening tonight. And I'm just so excited about those services up there and about some of the hunger, spiritual hunger I see in the men and the women at the county jail. And always enjoyed doing that. I guess I've been involved in prison ministry for, I don't know, so long now. And I just, I, I just, my wife will tell you it's probably one of my most favorite things I do during the week is to take my Bible and my guitar and head up to the county jail for those two services that we have there. The staff, the guards, always so good to me, kind to me, and um, helpful and so on. Now, if you're just tuning in for the first time to the Tell It Like It Is radio show, that you could be listening in three different ways. You could be listening on our local station, KDIX. It's a local, powerful AM station, 1230 AM. And we've been doing that for, I think, something like 17 years now on KDIX. And we were on Sunday nights. We were on Saturday nights. And and now we're on Sunday nights. Again, um, the... uh, uh, that's one way to hear us. There are some of you that have just texted me that are listening on Holy Ghost Radio, <coughs> Channel 2. Good to have you with us tonight. And then also, uh, KDIX has a website website called kdix.net, www.kdix.net. Some of you may be listening that way. So I'm not sure which way that you're listening. Just had a, the Woodses in Beulah are listening tonight and if they remind me i do i think i have a connection for them somehow or somebody that i know has a connection david has a connection for the for the uh, woods is in the in our beulah church so maybe i can get that to them but anyway uh we are in dickinson north dakota and i pastor the new life pentecostal church here on 105 7th avenue west and we want to invite you to our church our next service will be wednesday night at 7.30. This Saturday, we're having a special Holy Ghost rally. It's geared towards children, but everybody's invited. It's a special Holy Ghost rally. It's going to be Saturday night um, where we're going to be praying specifically with children and, and um, to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, certainly. And and so that'll be this Saturday at 7.30. Then, of course, next Sunday, a week from today, will be the uh, our Sunday morning worship, our Sunday morning service, the 10 o'clock is Sunday school and, and adult Bible classes, and 11 o'clock is our worship service. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. I'm just, is this all my introduction here? Happy Mother's Day. I, I, um, I've got some stuff here, uh, uh, like they ask these little second graders questions about their mothers, like, what would it take to make your mom perfect? This is one of the questions. Uh, one of the kids said, on the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery, he said about his mom. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, one of the things, um, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? One little kid said, she has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that. Uh, another little kid said, I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister who did it, not me. And the third one said, I would like for her to get rid of those invisible eyes in the back of her head. The um, How about this one? What did your mom need to know about dad before she married him? Uh, number one, this kid said his, his last name. <laughs> number two, this little kid said she had to know his background. Like, is he a crook? Does he get drunk on beer? Uh, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, the um, oh, there's, these are some pretty. There's some pretty funny. Uh, who's the boss at your house? This is a question. <clears throat> no, this little kid said, "Mom doesn't want to be the boss, but she has to because Dad's such a goofball." Uh, it says, uh, "Oh, I, I better quit here." But there's a lot of good, good these Mother's Day quotes that I was was reading here. Um, what ingredients are mothers made of? It says, God made mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and one dab of mean. <laughs> is that how your mom is, Seth? Is she, does she have one? Johnny, does your mom have, your, your, oh, Seth's mom's got three dabs of mean in her. And, um, the, uh, this other little kid said, what, what ingredients are mothers made out of? He said, they had to get their start from men's bones. Then they are mostly all string, I think. <laughs> so they got men's bones and, and and string in them. So those are pretty good things. Um, anyway, happy Mother's Day. I'm not speaking about any topic about Mother's Day today, but I thought I better say something before there's a riot and all the mothers start protesting the KDIX studio down here. Tonight, if you want to be part of our program, as many of you already have done, you can text me, 701 Zero seven eight six two. You can email me Robert Simons fifty eight at gmail dot com. Good to have the uh, roadies listening to us in Valley City tonight, and uh, they just texted me. So we're going to play a song, and we are going to come right back with our topic. moment may our strength be renewed as we recall what God has done and how we've seen him move if there's anybody here who's found him faithful anybody here who knows he's able
Thank you, Seth, and good to have um, all of you listening tonight to the Tell Like It Is show. We've got a small crowd in the studio tonight, just Seth and uh, John. Do you, do you still like going by Johnny or just John? Which way do you go? Because I still call you Johnny. I don't know why, but maybe maybe that's not the way you want to do it. I'll, I'll, I'll work this off after the air, off the air, I guess. But good to have these two men with me. We were just talking about all-you-could-eat fish. That's what we were talking about during that last song. I wasn't very spiritual, was it? Uh, Jesus, you know what? Wait a minute. Does Jesus turned the... All, there was all-you-could-eat fish back then with the fish and the loaves, wasn't there? I mean, it seemed like it. Apparently, they, they picked up a bunch of baskets left over. So maybe that's where skippers got their start. I want to turn your attention to the um, book of Acts, chapter 9 tonight, verse 1. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound under Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, Go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And um, he went into the city, and uh, he met a man there named Ananias. And Ananias told him in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, when Paul was retelling the story, he said, Arise. He said, And now why tarriest thou? Arise, be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What I want to talk about tonight is the concept of God searching for us, reaching for us, the concept of a spiritual awakening in our life, um, the concept of how we don't we don't want to miss that. Uh, we, you know, God, I believe, is reaching for us. I, I believe that when I look at my life, which, and you can, I, I want to encourage you to look at your life t- uh, tonight. I want us to look back and think, you know, how God was reaching for us. You know, all these years, I. I remember even when I was in my youth how God was reaching for me. There was a, a little portion of a Christian song that, that goes through my mind every once in a while, and it says, even in my youth you were chasing me, whispering in the dark, running through my dreams. Each day I've lived you were calling me, but maybe in my youth I heard you best. And I I've, I wonder about that because in my youth it seemed like when I looking looking back at the time, I, I I couldn't put it all together, but looking back, I could see a, a uh, an interesting uh, net that God was laying for me, <clears throat> so that I would come to Him. 
There were things uh, in my youth, there were things that God allowed. Uh, I remember uh, playing football over at, uh, in the summer times, over at this uh, football field at St. Mary's High School in Bismarck and how um, there was just a bunch of kids. It wasn't a, you know, that wasn't a, a school thing. We were just, was just there and, and there was these kids, their last name was Kresbach. And these kids would talk to me about the second coming of Jesus. And I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, Adam from, from John the Revelator. I mean, I, I, I really didn't. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but these kids would talk to me about the second coming of Jesus. <clears throat> and, and it was their talking to them, to me. And they scared me so bad that it it made me uh, kind of run the other way for a while. I'm not blaming them for my drug addiction problem, but but I'm, I'm telling you, God was reaching for me even in my youth, even when I didn't know who He was or what what He was doing or what it, what it was all about. And and in this story in the book of Acts chapter nine, we read about about Saul of Tarsus and how he, as a uh, Orthodox Jew believed that the Christians were a, a, a cult. They were trying to mess with the truth of God. They, he was against them. He, he, uh, he was, uh, in fact, um, he became very, very, uh, vehemently against them and to the point where he got legal papers that he could go into cities and have Christians arrested. And he was doing just this. He was on his way to Damascus to do just this. And, on his way to Damascus, he, uh, he, he saw a light from heaven and he heard a voice. He, he fell to the earth and this light blinded him, apparently, because he was blind at this point. And this voice began to talk to him and identified itself as Jesus. And Paul, this started Paul on a completely different journey in his life. See, I'm a huge believer in the concept of a spiritual awakening. I really am. Unfortunately, I, and, and let me just say this, I believe, now maybe, maybe you can disagree with me, but I believe that all of us have an appointed time or we've, we've had times where God reaches out to us. Uh, you know, how he, he, he talks to us. I was just on a visitation up at the jail with a guy, just with a one-on-one visitation that, that was, uh, that was, uh, orphaned in Vietnam in 1972 and how he was adopted here in the United States and uh, and how they he was brought over here. And, you know, when I look about the hand of God and how he was brought into a, a Christian home and how God has led him to truth in his life. You see, I, I'm a huge believer in this. I, I uh, now, let me just tell you this, spiritual awakening, let's not confuse this with salvation. We don't want to confuse it with that. Because salvation, um, you know, spiritual awakening, I, I, I mean, I'm a huge believer. There is, uh, everybody listen to me, no matter what your background, if, if you have a desire to know God and a desire to, to know more of God, you and I have a lot in common. But just remember this, just this desire you have to know God or even this awakening that you had that you never had before doesn't mean that you're truly ready for heaven yet. 
But it's really the first step toward salvation. How can any man come unless God calls him? Unless man draw, unless God draws him. And, and, uh, and here we read in Acts chapter 9, God was drawing Saul of Tarsus. Now what could have been the outcomes of this? What could have been the scenario? What if, what if when, when Saul was knocked down blind, and he heard this voice, and this, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. What if Saul would have refused to believe that? Could have he? I believe he could have. Don't we have a free will? Could have, could have Saul of Tarsus went into the city and been talked out of it by, at, by people at the synagogue? Possibly. But Saul of Tarsus chose to listen to this heavenly vision, this this spiritual awakening that he had. And and my my desire tonight is that that's what you would do. You know, um, there I, I think that that uh, there are opportunities, you know, there are there are people uh, well, I'll tell you what's fun, what's what's really enjoyable to be be the person or one of the persons that is there when the person receives their spiritual awakening. Like maybe one of the reasons I love about prison ministry so much is what I get out of it. Like, like I get a lot out of it. Because I become many times the, the conduit or the, the facilitator of this spiritual awakening. It, it is so amazing. It's so interesting to me to see people as you're preaching at the prison or at the jail. When you start to see the blinders fall off their eyes, and you can tell. I mean, there was a young man in church today. He, no, he's not coming faithfully to our church. But he, I met him when he was in the county jail, and I saw him a year after he got out, and he told me, Pastor Bob, I haven't been on meth for a year. And I just saw him this morning at church. He just came. But you see, there's something about this spiritual awakening. There's something about being a part of it. There's something, uh, you know, we had a, um, uh, a uh, oh, a couple of years ago now, maybe it was a little over a year ago, that we had a, a older lady, I, I call her grandma. She, uh, her, uh, her grandsons are friends of mine, and one of her grandsons is a very good friend of mine, lives out in California, and um, she she was visiting our church and we had an evangelist there that was just preaching away about baptism and immersion in Jesus name. And at the end of the service, people were up praying and this woman's, this grandma's daughter came up to pray and she was sitting there all by herself. And I thought she was mad. I really did. I thought she looked upset. So while everybody was praying, I walked back to her and I said, grandma, are you okay? And she goes, no, I'm not okay. I'm like, oh, here it comes. Cause you gotta know this lady. You know, I, I wish she was listening right now so she could hear me say that. I mean, she's kind of a battle axe of a lady. I mean, you know, you, she would not be the lady you'd want to break into her house in the middle of the night. Uh, she'd probably meet you there with a shotgun. And, uh, and this grandma, she goes, no, I'm not okay. And I go, why? What's, what's wrong? And she goes, that man up there, she pointed to the evangelist. He just said, he just said, I wasn't baptized right. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do about it. And I looked at her and said, well, Grandma, I'll baptize you in Jesus' name. And she looked at me and pointed her finger at me. She said, you will baptize me in Jesus' name before I leave to go back to Texas. And so we did. In fact, one of her grandsons, the one I was talking about, flew out from California. But 
the point I'm making is it's so fun to be part of that. You know, Jesus, in John chapter 4, Jesus was very, very tired. You know, Jesus was both God and man at the same time. And as a man, he was tired. He went through all the same things we went through as a man. And he was ministering. He was giving himself. And he told his disciples, he said, I'm going to just rest here while you guys go get something to eat in John chapter 4. But while they, when they left, a woman came out, a Samaritan woman, and Jesus started ministering to her. And, and Jesus began to minister to her and reach out to her and began to tell her that, um, uh, you know, that, that the Father is seeking people to worship him. And he was reaching out for this woman at the well. Now, she had a pretty checkered past. You know, she was not a moral woman. She was living with a man at this point that was not her husband, and he told, said the last uh, four husbands you have weren't your husband either. You know, they, I mean, like, the, the, you're, this woman's not a moral person. But when Jesus ministered to her, and she, she went back into the city and told everybody, come and meet a man that's told me everything I've ever done. His disciples came back and said to Jesus, they said, uh, he said, we've got the food, we got the, we got the, you know, Taco Bell, we, we, we went and got everything. And Jesus said, I'm not even hungry now. And they're like, what? He goes, because I have meat to eat that you don't know anything about. Like there is, you know, it is so enjoyable. One of the reasons I do this radio program, this is the hardest thing I do every week. It really is, because I'm a really a, I'm more of a people preacher, like, I like to preach and I like to watch people. I like to look at their eyes. I like to, I like, I will read their body language. I, uh, when I'm, when I'm preaching away, I'll, I'll, I'll see, uh, somebody sitting there. It makes me think of a story about them that goes along with what I'm preaching. You know, I mean, it's like I get an anointing when people are there <laughs> on the radio. I feel like, you know, it's like, wow, this is, I have to pretend that you're listening. You know, like I, what I do to get by on this is I think about who might be listening or who could be listening. And that's how I do it. That's how I do this. Because this is not easy for me. But the reason I like to do this is because I, in my imagination, I have this concept that somebody's listening to me that has never heard the Acts 238 message. They've never heard what it really takes to come to God. That you've, you, And they don't know who God is. They have no idea that there's only one God, the Father. And this one God, the Father, is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's the same person. God the Father and the Holy Spirit are the same person. Because there's only one God, and that's the Father. And the Holy Spirit's God, too. But God the Father is the only God. And and the Holy Spirit, or God the Father, either one is the same person, was in Jesus Christ, reconciling the world back to himself. So Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And I got... I just got a kick out of saying that. You know why? Because Seth, there might be somebody for the very first time that said, that makes so much sense to me. There's a man that comes to our church and, uh, and he doesn't, he and his wife don't believe everything I preach. But when I explained the one God to them, he told me this. I've always believed that, but I've never heard anybody say that. Like inside of his mind, he knew what it was. He knew that he believed that, but he had never heard anybody say it. So to be part of this process is such an awesome thing. And so, and so this, this, this concept of God, uh, reaching out and, and of God, 
getting a hold of us of, of God, this spiritual awakening, this this breaking through, this you know, living all your life in this dream world, and all of a sudden one day God shakes you, wakes you, and and now you can see the world in a completely different way. This is what this is all about. This this is the spiritual awakening, and uh, we're hoping to be part. Of that, I'm going to read my text tonight while we play this song. Seven zero one two nine zero seven eight six two is the text number. You can text me. Thank you, uh, Seth, for some great music, and um, 
You're listening to the Tell It Like It Is radio show coming live out of Dickinson, North Dakota. Pastor Bob Simons here. Uh, just want to say hello to everybody that texted me tonight and emailed me. And you know what? I forgot. I mean, I'm talking about these guys up at the jail and what a fun time it is to meet. Now I got one of those guys from the jail emailing me from the Philippines that I met up at the jail. He, he emailed me, uh, Billy or I call him Stormy. He, uh, he, he said, you met some strange people up at, up at that jail ministry. And I did. And, uh, they don't get any stranger than, um, than my friend Stormy. And I'm looking forward to seeing you, Stormy. I hope it works out where I can come down to see you when you come back and fly into the States here. The, um, just got a, we had three in our first service, nine in the second service out at the women's prison tonight. Just got a text from the Cazezas. That's the team that goes out there and does that. Those are a good team. One of them is really good looking too. And one of them, I don't know. We've got uh, Gunner listening in in Harvey, North Dakota. Gunner, and he said, "Can you play the One God Apostolic song, Gunner?" I didn't bring my guitar today. I drove my motorcycle here, and I just just didn't throw it on my back. So I, I'm going to have to. You'll have to do a rain check on that. And uh, I forgot to mention Bill out in in um, Pennsylvania listening. And Bill, Bill is a um, uh, young man that attended our church for. Uh, several months here in uh, in Dickinson, and we love love Bill. And now he's moved out to help with the uh, church there in Washington, Pennsylvania. And what a blessing he's going to be out there. And so, hello to oh, we got people in from Gulva listening tonight, by the way. And that's that's way out. That is in the middle. There's a a sign uh, when you get to Gulva that says nowhere on it, and right in the middle of town, you're in the middle of nowhere. Gulva Gulva is just a tiny little town. Kind of south uh, east of Beach, and we've got we've got let's see one two families and two single guys from our Beach Church living there. And by the way, um, if you are listening out that way, we have a service in Beach every Tuesday evening at seven thirty at the Beach Community Center, and so that's a that's a great thing. And the two men that are in charge of that, Elvin and Joe Hostetler, are just tremendous men. They're contractors in that area, and they. Uh, they preach out there and they hold a service out there. We also hold a service out at the home on the range, um, a school out there twice a month. That's really good. And, and we're, um, and I don't know, we're just, we got some weird stuff in the making this summer out west. I better not say that for sure on this next thing, but, but there's another thing that's kind of in the makings out there that I'm pretty excited about too. Well, if you want to text me tonight, 701-290-7862, I'm talking about spiritual awakening. I'm talking about God reaching into our lives. Uh, we we talked about Saul of Tarsus and how he how he was uh, uh, God began to deal in his life. All through the Book of Acts, you'll see people that God is reaching for uh, wherever they're at. You look look at Acts chapter ten. You look at a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a man that that um, that was a good man, but he didn't know Jesus. And God used extreme measures to to talk to Cornelius. Uh, you'll you'll see where where uh, the uh, he had a vision, and um, in this vision, God told Cornelius to uh, to go and see or find a man named Peter. And during the same time, Peter was having a vision about about Cornelius, and so God set that all up. And so we we see we see God setting things up, bringing things to pass. We see th- God. In his love, reaching out for us, like this friend of mine that's emailing me tonight from the Philippines, 
you know, how, how God set it up. He was in the county jail here and just kind of a rough old, uh, trucker battled drug addiction and alcoholism, uh, all of his life and how God just brought us together and he heard this truth and, and so on. And, and this is what I'm talking about, but what I'm, I want us to go even deeper that we don't want to ignore this visitation. We don't want to ignore this, uh, this holy, this spiritual, this heavenly visitation. Uh, you know, there is, there is a, um, you know, there is a crucial, let me just digress just for a moment. There's a crucial link in this visitation, and that's humans. God has always used humans. Even in the case of Cornelius, he didn't tell Cornelius in the vision what he had to do. He didn't tell Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road what he had to do, did he, Seth? What did he tell him? He said, go to Jerusalem or go to Damascus and you'll meet somebody that will tell you what to do. God has always used people to spread the gospel. Uh, that's, that's what Paul was saying in the book of, of Romans when he said, how shall I hear without a preacher? You know, God, God has always used people. And that's why it's important that not only do you have that heavenly visitation, but you also realize that God will use somebody. Now, this, um, you know, my life is, is, uh, you know, and I've told my story so many times, and, um, and many, many, many of you that are longtime listeners have probably heard me. But I want to just briefly just tell you a little bit about my story just because I feel like I had a Saul of Tarsus experience. I feel like I didn't have a Cornelius experience because I wasn't that good man, but I had that Saul of Tarsus experience. I, was just just uh, you know a young man that that um, I grew up. My uh, my mom wished we would have went to church more. I know she did, but we didn't go to church faithfully. You know we we uh, went you know uh, you know several times a year I'm sure. And I was confirmed as a Methodist. We went to the Methodist church, but I grew up with a a spiritual vacuum in my life. Even though looking back, I can see God was reaching for me and talking to me and showing me things. It's very, very interesting. Um, there's a lot to it, and I don't know, I don't want to bore you with all of it, but there's a lot, lot to it. But anyway, as this young man growing up, I, my dad had been a bad drinker, and he quit drinking when I was about, oh, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old. And um, and my because of that, I made up my mind, I'm never going to drink I'm never going to smoke. I'm never going to take drugs. I had made up my mind. Now, that wasn't based on a spiritual relationship with God. It was actually based on that I saw those things as being very, very bad. I had a very bad taste in my mouth for those things. In fact, I still do. And um, and I know people in our church, I drive them crazy because I preach about the evils of drinking all the time to the point where probably think people probably people think that's the only thing I know about. So I grew up in this situation. I, I remember um, my two best friends, Elroy and Mark, in junior high. I remember when they started smoking. I remember when I told them, I'm not going to be your friend anymore, because I knew where they were heading with it. I knew where they were going. I got into high school. I remember meeting um, my uh, my who was to become my future wife, 
And I told her, if I ever catch you drinking or smoking, I'll break up with you. I remember, she remembers me telling her that. And so I, this, I'm just telling you my story, but it seems so strange to me because as I started getting better in sports, um, I remember as a junior in high school, I had never drank, I had never smoked, and I was on the wrestling team and I was starting to get better. In fact, my senior year, I took the state championship in, in Bismarck. And, but because of that, I was hanging out with these popular kids, these popular wrestlers, and they all drank. And I can remember going to, to, uh, parties, not drinking, but eventually, and there's way more to the story than this, but I want to get through it. Eventually, I started drinking. And from that moment, I went backwards incredibly fast. Because once you sear your conscience, uh, you, uh, you have no more resistance to just about anything. You know, when I started drinking, I said, well, I may drink, but I'll never smoke pot. But then I started smoking pot. And then when I started smoking pot, I said, I might smoke pot, but I'll never take harder drugs. But then I started taking harder drugs. And within just a short period of time, I had developed a drug addiction problem in my life. I didn't even know I was addicted at that time. But what happened was, a period of time went by, a, a little over a year, and well, it was actually about two years that it went by. And uh, and in this two-year period, I had gotten to uh, a, a very serious drug addiction problem, but still didn't think I had one. And until one of my best friends checked himself into a drug treatment center in, in Mandan. And at that point, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to quit using drugs because of my friend Bob. His name was Bob also, and I'm going to quit using drugs because of him. And so I did, and I lasted for three days. And at the end of the third day, I was so miserable, I wanted to get high so bad that I did. And that's when I knew that I had a major problem going on in my life. Now, there was other complications going on during the same time because uh, I was married. I, I, I got, had gotten married. My, my wife was going to have a little baby. And here I was, a drug addict, and here I was doing exactly what I said I would never do in my life. Now, I'm talking about a spiritual awakening here today, and I didn't have one at this point, but I was miserable. Because I don't know how some of you got into the drug scene or the alcohol scene, but I got into it knowing better, like I knew better. My dad had been a a, a very bad alcoholic until he was about 40 years old. And, and, uh, And I knew better. I mean, I knew way better. I knew of the evils of drinking. I knew of the evils of drug, but drugs, but I did it anyway, and I got addicted to it. And so, and so this this addiction uh, got worse. And of course, all the lying that went with it. You know, when I make this statement, all drug addicts are liars. Um, you know, they can repent and they can quit being a drug addict, but just the nature of drug addiction makes you a liar because it's illegal. And so, even my wife didn't know the extent 
of my drug addiction. She didn't. She, I, I kept a lot of it from her. And so this, um, this drug addiction problem, it got worse and it got worse and I got more miserable. And I remember it coming to a head on a really bad acid trip I was on where I thought I had lost my mind. Now, if anybody's listening to me that's ever done those type of drugs, you'll know what I'm talking about. I thought I had lost my mind. I wondered if I would ever be normal again. I was that evening that I didn't, when you take these type of acid trips, you don't come down from them until you fall asleep and wake up. I mean, it lasts for hours and hours and hours. And that night when I finally was able to go to sleep, I was up until maybe 6 in the morning. And that morning at 6 in the morning, when I finally fell asleep, my thought was, I wonder when I wake up if I'm going to be like this. And I was scared. I really was. I was I was terrified. You know, I mean, this it was getting out of control, out of hand, totally messed up. And that's where I was in life. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just telling you that God intervened in my life. He reached out in my life. He, you know, I, I was... I was, uh, when my, my wife and I were brand new married, uh, you know, she was pregnant. We, we, uh, she went to the hospital, St. A's hospital in, in Bismarck. And I went with her and she delivered my son, Luke, my oldest son. And when Luke was born, I felt something in that delivery room and I didn't know what it was, but whatever it was felt good. I mean, like it felt really good. I felt something when I saw, you know, you you fathers out there, I want to recommend if, you know, I think all of them do it now, but back then a lot of fathers didn't go in to see babies delivered. But I would recommend any father, you know, go in to see your baby delivered. When I saw that happen and I saw my son being born, there was something about that that changed me. And I was having a spiritual awakening. I walked out of that room, and this friend of mine that had just gotten out of the drug treatment center was there waiting for me. And I told him, I said, I felt something in that room, but I don't know what it was, but I feel high. Like I feel higher than I've ever felt in my life on any drug I've ever been on. And my friend said, that was God in the room. That night, there was friends of mine that threw a party for me. They bought some hashish and high-grade, you know, drugs and champagne and and they were going to have a party bob had his first son i went to that party that night while my wife stayed in the hospital and that was that night i said i don't want to take anything i don't want to use anything and they go why i said because i'm already so high right now that i'm afraid it'll ruin it <laughs> I, you know i'm not saved at this point i have no idea who god is really but I felt something. Now I can't tell you I quit using right then. I didn't. But I did tell, I will tell you this, I went home and I got a Bible from my house. And I started to try to read it. And it didn't make any sense to me. I, I mean, I think I started in the book of Revelation and it sounded like a science fiction story. I, I couldn't, I mean, it was, I, I don't know why I started there. <laughs> it didn't make any sense to me. No, I mean, no sense, zero sense. I mean, I tried to, I don't know why I even did it. But somewhere, somehow, you know, I had a old-time Methodist grandma, maybe she was praying for me. Somehow seeds were planted. I knew the truth was in the Bible. And so I, um, 
I, I, I tried to read it. Well, then, uh, my wife and I, right during this process, we had moved to Valley City. My wrestling scholarship, that's where I was going to college, in Valley City. And when, when I was in Valley City, um, I was, I was, uh, went to the store. I was sick. I, I, I had the cold and I went to the store and my, my, uh, when I was at the store, I uh, picked up some cough medicine and so on. And on the way back to the house, I stopped to smoke some marijuana by the, this little river that runs through Valley City. And while I was smoking this marijuana, I heard a voice speak to me. And this voice said, get out of the car and throw your pot and your pipe into the river, the Cheyenne River. And as soon as I heard that voice, which really shocked me, because I wasn't listening for a voice, wasn't, I wasn't asking God, I wasn't praying, or, I, I wasn't. But as soon as I heard that voice, another voice said, don't do that, that's stupid. You've done things like that before and it's not worked. And then the other voice said, no, get out of your car and throw your pot and your precious little pipe into that river. And the other voice said, well, don't throw it away. Give it to your friends. You know, just call your friends and get, this is expensive. You don't know. And this other voice said, no, throw it in the river. And right then I had my very first spiritual awakening. And I realized this must be God and this must be the devil. And I got out of my car and I took all my drug stuff I had with me and I threw it in that river. And folks listening to me, I'll tell you what. That was the last day I ever used drugs in my life. That was just about 40 years ago. That was the last time I ever used drugs in my life. That I went I went back home and I don't even think I told Lori about that. But that next Sunday we were going back to Bismarck that next weekend. And, and she was going back. She needed to take her state nursing board test that, that coming week. And I told her, let's try a new church. And I told my wife, let's try that church that's on the corner of 16th and Rosser. I don't know why I said that. I don't know what, what I was thinking. I didn't know anybody that went to that church. I didn't know anything about that church. I just said, let's try it. Well, that that was, I think, on Friday or Saturday. On Saturday, I get a call from my friend Bob. This is what he told me. He said, "He said, Bob, my wife Pam and I are, are go, Pam and I are going to visit a new church on Sunday. My sister-in-law from Denver has come up, and she's been all over Bismarck, and she found this little church, and she wants us to go with her on Sunday. And we wanted to know if you and Lori would want to come with us. And I said, What church is it?" He said, it's that little church on the corner of 16th and Rosser, that Pentecostal church. And I said, well, this is kind of weird, but I was kind of thinking of going there anywhere, anyway on Sunday. So that if that isn't weird enough, folks, then what happened next is really weird. Because my wife got a call from one of her friends, one of our friends, Debbie was a friend of mine too, and Debbie said, I'm getting baptized on Sunday at my dad's church. And I'd like you and Bob, she was talking to Lori, I'd like you and Bob to come. And it was the same church, the Pentecostal church on the corner of 16th and Rosser. I went to that church that Sunday. God was dealing, I mean, it's like it's like the woman at the well. 
It's like Paul seeing the vision. It is. I'm telling you, don't ignore God reaching out to you. Don't ignore this. I go to that church. I knew I knew nothing of what was going on. My wife was raised Catholic. She was scared to death. These people were praying out loud. They were, you know, they're singing. They were clapping. You know, I mean, she was terrified. And I was thinking, man, this is cool. You know, I like, I didn't know what was going on either. I, but I mean, I just was kind of looking around. These people were so friendly. They really acted like, they acted like I was the star. Like they acted like I was the, the main attraction. Well, I found out later I was. Cause I've been in Pentecostal churches now. When you come to our church, we treat you pretty good, but we're all praying for you. Like God, get a hold of them. Get a hold of them, God. So that preacher gets up to preach. You know what? I'm never going to finish this, am I? You're never going to get to play that song I told you about, are you? But this preacher gets up to preach, and I couldn't understand hardly a word he was saying. But he told a story at the end of that service, and God used that story to reach me. And I didn't make any kind of move towards God right then, but it was that following week that I was back in Valley City. I had went to church with this Debbie, this girl that was helped winning us to the Lord. My wife was back in Bismarck at her state nursing test. And while I was in that little church in Valley City with maybe 10 people there, maybe 8 people there, the preacher read Acts 22.16. And when he read that scripture, and now, why tarriest thou? Arise, be baptized, washing away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And when he read that scripture, that little voice that I heard in my car telling me to throw the pot out into the river a couple of weeks before, that voice said, you need to get baptized tonight. He was done with his little sermon. He said, does anybody have any questions? Or he might not even said that. I raised my hand. He goes, yes. I said, could you baptize me like that tonight? They took me out to the Cheyenne River, the same one I had just thrown my pot away in, in my drug paraphernalia a couple of weeks before. They baptized me in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. And God put me into an entire new world. My wife was baptized just a few days after that. And the pastor sent us home from that service and said, Read John chapter 14. That's what he told us. Read John chapter 14. And I opened up my Bible that night, and for the first time in my life, I read the Bible, and God began to speak to me as I read the Bible. And my wife also, we were laying on the floor at, the, at our friend's Bob and Pam's house. We were staying overnight there. And, and we couldn't sleep because we were so excited. It was because like the Bible had become a magic book in my life. I'm talking about spiritual awakening tonight. And from that moment on, God began to lead me. And he led me. I, I, it was after that that I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so did my wife. We, we both received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God led us in all kinds of things. But all of it, I, I, I'm saying, I, Seth asked me, what are you going to title this tonight? I have no idea what to title this tonight. But there has got to be, you, you cannot ignore the tuggings of God's Spirit on your life. You know, David, you're listening to me tonight. and Nobody knows who I'm talking about. But David, it's no accident that you and I met. It's no accident. There, there's, there's, this, this is part of the process. It's part of God's leading. You know, we've got all kinds of um, 
people um, listening tonight that are texting me. I'm just reading, reading um, through this, reading through these things. Don't ignore the leading of God in your life. Don't play games with God talking to you. I'm not saying he won't come back and try it again. I'm not saying that he won't. But I am saying that you can't play games with this. Seth, why don't you uh, give out, I um, this show turned out different than I thought, but why don't you give out some information uh, about how to get a hold of us tonight? <clears throat> All right, well, we're from the New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson, North Dakota. We're located at 105 7th Avenue West. Again, that's the New Life Pentecostal Church. 105 7th Avenue West, or church phone number 701-264-7862, or you can email us at robertsimons58 at gmail.com. Our next service is going to be Wednesday, even, uh, Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. You are invited. If you do need a ride, give us a call at the church phone number 701-264-7862. Um, Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock a.m., we have adult Sunday school, children's Sunday schools, uh, 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Uh, we have a worship service. You are invited again. Um, this is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast on every Sunday night from 8.06 to 9.06 Mountain Time right here from Dickinson, North Dakota. If you want to get involved with the program, you can text us tonight, 701-290-7862, or you can call in studio 701-225-5133 if you have any questions or comments. Or if you're out of country and you'd like to email us, robertsimons58 at gmail.com. And and tonight, thank you so much for the communication that you're communicating. Hello, uh, Daniel Portalis is listening tonight. Our friend from, from used to be here in Dickinson. Good to have him listening. Uh, uh, Pastor Hostetler out in Pennsylvania. You know he uh, he's listening tonight. And your testimony is the same. I mean, all of our testimonies really are the same. God was reaching for us. God, whether you were raised in a Pentecostal church or not, there was, there was a preacher, there was a, there was a calling, there was a, there was a, uh, answer to the calling. You know, some of these friends of mine grew up Amish. In fact, uh, you get somebody saved out there, Brother Hostetler in Pennsylvania, and I send them out to North Dakota. We, I want to send a, a good Amish family to help the Burlings down, down in, in Ashley. I, I really do. So those, those hard-headed German people down in Ashley, they, I don't think they get any hard head, more hard-headed than those Amish people. I think you guys could, could really help Brother Burling. But Brother Hostetler, you know, your, your story's exactly the same, you know. Grew up Amish, but through a series of events, God called you, your wife, and now your brothers, your sisters, your, um, you know, just your sister-in-laws. I mean, God is doing a tremendous, God is reaching the Amish people with this Acts 2.38 message. These are many good people, but God is bringing them just like Cornelius to more truth. And, you know, tonight, my prayer, and the reason I do this, is I'm hoping this radio broadcast is doing that to you now. You know, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, this number we've been giving all, all night, this 290, the 701-290-7862, that's my, that's my cell number. And a lot of pastors don't want to give out their cell number. I'm like, you know what? This is what I'm in business for. I mean, like, like if you can't get a hold of me, like, what's my reason for being a pastor? I mean, like, like I, uh, you know, I want you to get a hold of me. You know, I want, I want you to because, because I am a connection to this apostolic message. And, and, and I'm not the only connection to it, but I am a connection to it. And I certainly am a connection to it here in Dickinson, North Dakota. 
Tonight, as we close this broadcast, I'm going to pray, and all of you that are listening, we've got Pentecostals from all over the place listening. Pray with me tonight. Just take some moment. Pray. I don't know who else is listening to me, but maybe God is reaching another Saul of Tarsus tonight, right now. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would just talk to these people that are listening, these that are maybe for the very first time hearing this call that you put out, the call that you put out to Saul of Tarsus, the call that you put out to the woman at the well, uh, the call, the, the interruption in their life, God, the reaching to, of, 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 to them with this truth and how, what they need to do to be right with you. I just pray, God, tonight that these people, especially the ones around here in Dickinson, will find us and, and contact us and get a hold of us, God, and follow through with what you're doing in their life. I just pray today in the name of Jesus that you'd help them today in Jesus' name. Well, Lord willing, someday when I have more time, I'll, I'll finish that testimony a little better, my, my testimony. And I've got so many more just like that that I know, too, that are just as phenomenal. Lord willing, I'll be back next Sunday night. I've been kind of feeling like taking a break. Who knows? Maybe I'll ask somebody else to do this radio show next Sunday night. But uh, Lord willing, I'll be back. And if not, somebody else that knows the Acts 238 message will be back. God bless you, folks. Good night. You are my Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.